Welcome to Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. I'm your host, Chad Brzecca, and in this episode, I'm joined by Dean Macubo, Managing Partner at Crossroads Parcel Consulting. Dean, welcome to the podcast. Chad, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. I've uh, had the pleasure, obviously, of working together with you on uh, some projects, so this ought to be fun for the listeners. You know, the listeners' targeting audience, I should say, are fulfillment professionals who are looking to receive just some practical advice from our guests that they can implement immediately. But before we we dive in and start talking parcel, I'd love uh, for you to take a moment just to introduce yourself and uh, a little bit about Crossroads. Very good. So um, previously, I served UPS and FedEx for 37 years across multiple professional positions in operations retail development, sales, some other things, network development. And then at UPS, I worked at UPS when I was going to school, which is a very common thing at UPS where, you know, you work those ugly hours from four o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock, and then you, you go to school. But both companies were great experiences. I retired at age 57, seven years ago from um, FedEx and knew that I was going to get into uh, the consulting business because I just had so much knowledge across all aspects of uh, parcel shipping. And that's how Crossroads Parcel Consulting evolved. And we like to say that uh, we're everything parcel. And that mostly goes to my vast experience. And then I have a great partner, Perry Laverne. And Perry is our analytics specialist. And he's a a world-class analytics person. So together, we can cover just about anything that's related to parcel. So you've had this amazing 37-year run with the Giants and FedEx and, and UPS. And how do you just put that experience to work? Has the business and industry changed uh, you know, over the last seven years since you've left it? Or how do you think about that? You know, there's no question it's changed. And in the past two years, it's changing so rapidly, it's hard to keep up with change. And a lot of that obviously has to do with e-commerce and Amazon and the impact of e-commerce and Amazon on the parcel carriers, but also COVID drove a tremendous amount of change, and we're still experiencing a lot of that change. And then also, the carriers are constantly introducing new technologies, integrating new technologies, so those are the types of things that are keeping us on our toes. And, and actually, I have to spend much of my time every day just reviewing web-based informational portals specific to shipping just to keep up on the change. I mean, it's a real challenge. And that's the problem for the shippers. It's hard for them to keep up with the change because it is so rapid. So, Dean, we have Amware, for an example, we have a lot of customers who are growth-oriented. They're at somewhere in their stage of just growing. And by and large, they're starting to understand their own fulfillment business and vendors and relationships. But when it gets to the when it gets to the parcel conversation, they don't know what they don't know. What type of mistakes do you see that e-tailers are making with regards to parcel? 
You know, operationally, it's still pretty basic. Obviously, they have to make sure that their platforms are integrated with the carrier. And that's not really terribly hard. They usually either have technical expertise on staff or they have consultants that do that. So that's not the hard part. Getting the truck to show up on time for the pickup, you know, that's not hard. That's pretty basic stuff. The thing that is really difficult to manage today is pricing and the pricing agreements, the terms and conditions that manage your relationship with the carriers. They've changed dramatically in the last two and three years. And I'm not going to pick on the carriers because they're important to me. They're important to you. But the fact is, due to COVID impacted capacity issues and increased costs regarding employee retention and things like that. We're in a dynamic environment for rate increases. And what we're seeing is we're seeing ad hoc new rate increases or surcharge increases during the course of the year. Whereas from a historical standpoint, that never happened. They just, the carriers just raised their rates in January and it's called the annual rate increase. Well, they're still taking that, but they're also taking additional rate increases. A lot of this also has to do with the focus of Wall Street on FedEx and UPS right now. And, and obviously they're publicly traded companies and, and they have to show a certain level of margin to keep their share price up. So between those issues, They're raising rates a lot, and it's really hard for the customers to keep up with that. But more importantly, it's hard for the customers to manage the impact of those rate increases on their business or their profit models until it's too late and they've taken a major hit. So that's where a partial consultant like myself or my partner, Perry, come into play, and we help them understand changes immediately when they're announced. But then we also go back and review the terms and conditions of their agreements. And we help them understand what's impacting their pricing and how they can work with their carriers to address that. I think you and I both try to serve our customers in very similar ways, right? We use either the buying power of Amware, you're using the expertise that you have at Crossroads to really educate these uh, shippers. But going back to kind of the pricing agreements, what parts and the framework do you think that somebody on their own just isn't able to benefit from? You know, there's the general rate increases, there's the accessorials. Where do you think the big opportunities sit within those agreements that shippers are just uneducated about? So clearly there, and again, this is in the past few years, the carriers are getting a little bit heavy handed on minimum revenue shipping requirements. And the language is complicated. And if you don't hit those minimums, it can be significant, the penalties that you have to pay. And there's a lot of reasons for this. We talked about having to drive margin and and things like that and, and added costs now to do business. But these minimum requirements make it very difficult to change carriers or move some of your business to another carrier. So through these minimum requirements and also more stringent early termination penalties, the shippers are trying to nail down the carrier relationship long-term. And that means that you may not have options to change carriers. And if that's the case, then you sure have better gotten a really good deal on the front end that will get you through the term of your agreement. So it's really, really critical because you're 
It's just hard to change carriers given this new environment with minimum requirements and more stringent termination clauses. So you've got to make sure that you get the best deal possible on the front end, or you're stuck with a bad deal for three, four, five years. Are there secrets? You know, you came out of a major carrier working there in uh, your career. Are, Are there secrets inside tricks that the carriers possess that we just, we don't know about that they don't want shippers to know about? You know, the people at the carriers that manage the relationships or manage the pricing, they do this day in and day out for a living. They live in that world. And a company like Amware or any other fulfillment company may want to renegotiate every two to three years. You're at a huge disadvantage when you go up against the carriers because that's what they do all the time, the people that you're dealing with. Well, what has this led to? This this has led to the shippers or the e-commerce order fulfillment companies, whoever it might be, a direct retailer or someone like yourself who's a, a fulfillment company. This leads to them having to lean on experts like myself who have all this experience in the space to go ahead and, and help them through this really, really difficult process. If you don't understand it as a shipper yourself, then you've really got to lean on someone to help you through the process. And then and then another point I'd like to make is negotiation rounds. You got to be firm and you really have to be expert in negotiation. And you have to be prepared to go through five to 10 counter proposals when the carrier says, that's the best I can do. And then you say, well, that may be the best you can do, but I still need this, 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 and this in this area. You've got to be patient. The process can go on for two, sometimes three months if it's significant volume and revenue. And you've got to stick with it, stick to your guns and not give up. Now, things are softening up right now. Everyone knows the economy is getting soft. We might go into a recession. And what I'm seeing right now is I believe the carriers aren't hitting their minimum requirements right now or their their goals for volume and revenue. If that is the case, then for the first time in a few years, the shipper has some leverage and a UPS or FedEx are going to stay with you longer and negotiate longer because now the volume is more important to them. And something else that I'm seeing that's really important in your business is there's a renewed focus on maybe keeping these low-value goods, light e-commerce pack business that has always been perceived as being ugly business by the carriers. They're now looking at these opportunities. They're looking at these types of shipments at opportunities. And it was just two years ago during COVID when we were hearing about UPS and FedEx firing customers yeah. because they had those types of packages. So I believe right now there's a little bit more leverage moving towards the shipper due to a softening economy. That being said, though, Dean, how do you think about the during the course of a recession and volume start to get softened in shippers who may unknowingly took a deal in a pricing agreement to get the best rate they could, but they have also a high shipment minimum or shipment commitment and all of a sudden they find themselves in a recession not being able to achieve that, how aggressive do you think the carriers will come back and address that issue about missing their commitments? 
This is where maintaining a positive relationship with the carrier is critically important and not being a difficult company or customer. I'm sorry. Because if they like you, it's like any other business relationship. If the carrier thinks that you're good to work with, you're fair, and there's circumstances for you not hitting those minimum requirements like a severe recession, I would submit to you there are going to be cases where they have the opportunity to institute or request a penalty, but may not go down that path. That's why it's always important to not beat up the carrier, work with them professionally, work with their salespeople professionally, be open-minded about what they're up against. You know, simple things like when they come to pick up 800 packages at a, a fulfillment company like yourself, make sure that they have space to park that vehicle every day Because it's important to them that they be able to get in and out of there quick if it's a hot pickup. There's a lot of different things that a customer can do to support the carrier relationship in other ways. And all that matters if you need to go ahead and and get help. You know, at FedEx, we called it deepening the customer relationship. We called it that from the FedEx side of the business. But it also works on the flip side. The shipper or the fulfillment center, they need to deepen their relationship with the carriers. So when something bad happens, the carriers are willing to work with you. Yeah. And I think that's good advice. And I think that applies even during peak periods, right? Outside of the the issue about imposing the strict language, but just even getting your volumes picked up outside of normal operating windows or getting yourself put on the list for for peak capacity. I totally agree with that. That's through the partnership throughout the entire earlier part of the year. I think why sometimes certain shippers and accounts have better pickup performance during those times than other. And Chad, what we're talking right now about It's standard business practice in whatever business you're dealing in or whatever service provider you're working with. I mean, there was a time in your type of business, not Amware specific, where, you know, it was, hey, let's go beat up FedEx and UPS. And that's still happening out there. But I really don't think in this current environment, that's the way to get what you need from the carrier. And so when I'm working with my clients, if they're hell bent on beating up the carrier in the negotiation process, then I'm probably out of there because that's not how I want to work with the carrier. That's not how I wanted to be treated as a sales professional for FedEx. And I know that's the way Amware operates. It's always at a very high level of respectability with a, a business partner and trying to work through difficult items. Yeah. So so that's a good segue into shifting gears slightly, but not, not entirely. So when is the right time to switch carriers? A lot of shippers, I think, are singly focused on just trying to save costs. They don't understand the other reasons and benefits to, to either staying with the carrier or switching carriers. But when do you find it to be generally the best time to change primary parcel carriers And what do you see as the biggest obstacle of doing so? There's two points here. It's to engage in the negotiation process, which is one part of it. And then if you're changing carriers, 
the implementation process, which if you're a large shipper and you have multiple facilities, that's not easy. So obviously you're not going to do it between October and December, right? So that can't happen, nor is the carrier going to talk to you about that during October through December. January is a period of time where the carrier, it settles down, but still not a good time to uh, open the door to negotiations and a potential carrier change. But I think the ideal time frame is February through August with having the implementation in place and shipping 100%. If you're changing carriers with a new carrier, doing that by September 1st, if possible, because you know it's not uncommon to start seeing volume increases that are peak-related in September and October because of supply chain issues and customers now being fearful that I'm not going to be able to get something I want if I wait till November. So as holiday, the holiday shipping season is actually starting earlier and potentially as early as September, we're starting to see some increasing volumes that we traditionally didn't see. So you definitely, if possible, want to have everything in place, tested and fully operational with a new carrier. If that's the route you're taking, you want that done by September 1st, if possible. Yeah, it used to be kind of going back to the opening comments that you made. Peak used to be pretty defined in our business, right? Fourth quarter, the majority of retail would, would flow through during that six-week window. But for a lot of e-tailers that are dealing with subscription-based type of customers, Peak can just sit today within a couple days out of each month. So Peak has changed. But I still think February, March, April is a good time to start the engagement and the negotiation process to have that wrapped up around this April, May timeframe, implement it during summer where volume is traditionally traditionally a little bit lower and then have the uh, the forecast in there for for what might be a little bit more traditional peak at the back half of the year but yeah there's a window i feel like as to when you open up that conversation so it sounds like we're similar that february there is and there's one other thing to consider that's a change that's occurred in recent years i mean back in the day when i was in sales 10 to 15 years ago you had carriers, you had customers that negotiated every year and the carriers obliged them. And those days are gone. And if you've got a three-year contract with a carrier and you're in year two and you say you want to negotiate, chances are good that the carrier is going to say, no, we can start next year. So if the contract or the shipping agreement isn't close to expiring and it's three or four years or five years, whatever, the shippers may not agree to open it up. And so you've got to keep that in mind too. Other things to keep in mind is peak in preparing for that uh, before we get off that topic. So what are things shippers should be doing right now that's practical that they can go back into the office later this week and and start uh, actioning? First, let's start from shipping technology and the integrations from your order systems, middleware, whatever it is, to your warehouse management, to your picking technology, to the uh, the shipping platform. 
The integrations are, I mean, you've seen it happen. It's amazing. The economies or the efficiencies that these tech stack integrations are bringing to the table, but they're complicated and they take a long time. Don't plan on implementing technology changes. That's ultimately where you're going to need the support of the carrier for a full implementation. Take the same time frame. Do those between January and September. Don't wait until October or November to implement those kinds of changes because the carriers probably aren't going to be able to give you the, the support you need to make it happen that quickly. Uh, that's important. Some of the other things that you want to do in getting ready for peak is look at your dock space. You know, those things change over time, especially if you've brought on some additional carriers. And in most cases, and I'm going to assume that's the case with Amware in some cases, that space, that real estate isn't readily available. And you know that the carriers, especially during peak, need to get in and out to observe their schedules to meet their line hall and, and hub capabilities. So I think what you need to do now is look at your dock space, look if you're having problems with regards to carriers having to wait, missed pickups, whatever, and start cleaning that up right now and working with the carrier in making the necessary changes that you can implement now that will support you during peak season. The other thing, and this is critical, is your sales representative might be a worldwide, might be a district manager from one of the carriers. You, you never know, depending on how big you are and how much they want to protect your business. Establish service, not so much an SLA, but establish special engagement terms during peak season. And then also in writing, in email, they're not going to sign it, establish what your expectations are for the peak season. That way you've got something on paper. I will tell you that the sales representative or even carrier operations, if they see an email and it says, ABC Fulfillment Company is requesting that you do this, 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 and this operationally, that's a little bit different than what we're doing now to support peak volumes, I know they're going to comply. Now, they may not be able to support everything, but then they're going to get in contact you and say, we can't do that, but are there alternatives? Or here are some alternatives. So you want to communicate with your sales rep. You want to communicate with your local drivers. And then the sales rep will, will communicate with the proper folks in the carriers to make sure that they can address your special circumstances during peak. Yeah. And a lot of that that you're talking about, I think Dean should find its way or make its way into an SOP. I think oftentimes when you do switch carriers, you know, we do, we tend to do a really good job of during the implementation of creating these SOPs. And then as the months go by and we go through a peak season, a lot of things change. The contacts, the pickup times, the volumes, just things change from that original SOP, but to really make sure that that SOP is constantly updated to your point. But I think having that become part of a, a quarterly update is, I find it. And Chad, for someone like Amware, a fulfillment company of your size, there's 16 or 17 facilities that you have to do that for, correct? Yeah. And, and that should be also being done quarterly. Correct. Absolutely. And so you can't wait to the last minute. And, and can I tell you, these are the little nuances that a shipper or uh, e-commerce order fulfillment organization, this is where they need to pay attention. 
And what I see is some organizations running too lean and not dedicating the resources to pay attention to the details. And I know that's a fine balance, but the best organizations that fulfill for e-tailers, in my opinion, are the ones that dedicate the necessary resources to manage the details and put these types of programs in place ahead of schedule. And from what I see, you folks at, at Amware do just that. Yeah. Yeah. Dean, I cannot get off this call without asking one question that I know is on the minds of a lot of listeners, which is we're talking about the big carriers, but what about these regional carriers? How have you worked with your clients? Any insights into how to strategically use the regional carriers? If you're going to take on a regional carrier responsibility and not give them all your business, and, and if you want to do that, then you're working with four or five regional carriers. And that's a big, big change, okay? If you want to be selective, though, and try and save money in one specific shipment metric. Let's say it's oversized. Let's say it's something with regards to additional handling. Maybe it's packs less than one pound. If you have a specific area where you think you don't have a great pricing solution with your current carrier, and if you have enough revenue room to keep within your pricing earned discount thresholds and avoid penalties due to those minimum revenue requirements, if you've got some room there, then that's where you can go ahead and work directly with a regional carrier to save some money. Is it a ton of money? No, but we're saving pennies today, right? I mean, it, it's competitive out there. So it can be done. You've just got to make sure that you've got enough room in those threshold and revenue requirements to fit that in. Now, I will tell you that I'm seeing some fairly startling information and we're, we're definitely seeing faster regional carrier growth than I've ever seen. And a lot of that has to do with two things, service issues that, that came out of COVID and this dynamic pricing environment where the carriers are really raising their rates a lot. And that's what's driving that. And then finally, the relationship between LaserShip and OnTrack, where it's they operate under separate names, but it's one company, they are starting now to offer discounting and shipping programs, even though they're not connected because they're on the East and West Coast, there might be an opportunity for a shipper to contact LaserShip or OnTrack, it's one, and take advantage of bundled discount opportunities between those two carriers. And there's a great example of uh, where the, the regionals are going through merger or acquisition. They're never going to be a fully integrated carrier like UPS or FedEx, but they're definitely providing alternatives to shippers. This episode is sponsored by Amware Fulfillment. Amware is a third-party fulfillment company that provides pick, pack, and ship services to established direct-to-consumer brands. With fulfillment centers in every region of the U.S., Amware supports one- to two-day ground delivery to 95% of the country. In short, Amware takes care of everything after the click. Learn more at AmwareFulfillment.com.
Yeah. Dean, I feel like this could be probably a five part podcast <laughs> series as, as I expected. But uh, listen, I appreciate the time today. For me, listening to you, it's clear it's not one big thing in parcel that reduces a shipper's ability to reduce cost or improve transit or quality enhancements. It's uh, a series of a bunch of little things that lead to lead to that outcome. So I appreciate the insights today. Real quick before we go, where can our listeners go to get in touch with you, Dean, and Crossroads or, or more about your company? You just go to my email and that's dean at crossroadsparcelconsulting.com. Fantastic. Dean, thank you again. And this concludes our uh, episode of Unboxing Fulfillment, the modern B2C fulfillment podcast. Stay safe, everyone. Uh-huh.